Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about dirty, filthy Leeds. Uh, Chelsea walked away th- with a 3-2 victory over Leeds, uh, obviously over the weekend. Andres, a weekend that was action-packed with sports, not just soccer, but um, we here on the podcast uh, leaned Team Verstappen for the uh, for the F1 uh, races at this weekend. So, Andres, I mean, I know you watched that. There was a good UFC event, too. I don't know if you watched that, but... Just kind of give me your uh, your general feeling about this weekend. How you feeling? Um, I'm exhausted. Uh, <laughs> my college roommate got married on, well, he got married a year ago to this day, but he had his actual wedding yesterday. So I am exhausted. Two very long nights with friends that I hadn't seen in far too long. Uh, was able to wake up for the Leeds game. Was able to wake up for the even earlier um f1 race uh, both that of I them missed. both of them filled with drama the wedding luckily not so much so <laughs> yeah i'm glad that the drama was where it was supposed to but um i'm just glad that what felt like a, a close call and another bottled points for chelsea uh turned out to be three well i mean i did send a text in the group chat uh right after Leeds got the equalizer and I said that's our season uh Premier League title's gone and that's genuinely how I felt Andres uh but obviously like you said we did get the winner that's huge um so let's just kind of get right into it I guess uh starting lineups we had Edward Mendy return to goal uh Thiago Silva in the middle of our back three with Rudiger to his left Dave returning to the side uh to Thiago Silva's right Reese James and Marcus Alonso are wingbacks. We saw Jorginho and RLC again at uh, center mid. And uh, we had a front three of Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Mason Mount. Um, so let's just address the elephant in the room. Uh, the defense. Um, defending yet again, Andres. It just continues to be an issue. We allowed two more goals. That's eight in our last three uh, no clean sheets in our last five. Um, this is normally the part where I would ask you a question, but I think Ron kind of asked my question for us. So he asked, do you think we can stay this close at the top until we get our guys back? Same number of goals conceded in three games than the prior 18 combined. I know we're concerned, but how do we combat this? It's a loaded question, Andres. <laughs> well, um, I I kind of... Funny enough, the last three matches haven't had one Trevor Chalaba, which I'm not saying that he's the reason this defense is is all chaotic, but I think that having one less center back has caused issues in terms of rotation. And we know Thiago Silva can't play every single week. And, you know, part of what I've learned so far in, in this kind of chaotic is um, – kind of spell is that you can't leave Christensen to to anchor the back three on his own. We saw what happened um, against Zenit when it was... Is that, is that fair to Christensen, though, to judge him on the Zenit performance? Because he was kind of stuck in a shitty situation. I mean... He, here's my thing, though. It's it's still Zenit. I, I don't 
it was like the people that scored and the way they were scoring. Aspie hasn't played center back in a while. Um, and then Malang Sar is trash. <laughs> he's so very raw. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's so, so you need somebody to, for one, Christensen was in a place where he had to command Sar and then cover Aspie's, let's, for lack of better terms, lack of athleticism. Yeah. And usually, if Christensen is slotted in for Tiago and he's got Rudiger and Chalaba, he looks great. But in, in a situation where he's asked to lead it, he looked really poor. Um, I think he, it, it's just hard not to think of his bad spell under Conte. It's, it's hard not to think about those things when he goes from playing so well to then suddenly, it's not like he had like, oh, a bad 20 minutes. It's like a, bad run of games. Um, I don't know why we're conceding because at the end of the day, the people playing have been here for a while, but at the same time, they haven't all been playing together uh, constantly, consistently. Obviously the the midfielders are getting tired, which then can expose our back line a little bit more. But to, to answer Ron's question overall is we need our players to be back healthy quick. The The COVID situation with Kovacic was a huge blow, um, yeah. especially after we thought he was going to get to play this weekend. Because, again, you play with a back three. Alonzo's not going to come back and help. Chilwell's not here. So that's one less player that can come back and track back. Jorginho is not athletic enough, and that's not why he's in the field. And then Loftus Cheek is playing way too many minutes in a position yeah, he's, that he's still adapting for. I, I I don't really like this RLC slander. I know we talked about it pre-pod. Yes, he hasn't been great, but guys, he, we, we talked about this being a bonus if he can just come off the bench and stay healthy, let alone play continuously match after match, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, without really being rotated. Um, my issue uh, is that with the injury crisis, you know, leading up to this season, we were talking about Chelsea as a team that not only would contend, but that has arguably the deepest squad in England. Um, and we were comparing them to the other great squads in Europe, just in terms of depth. We're not really seeing that. I, I, I think what we're realizing now and what Tuchel might be realizing also is that some of these players just might not be good enough for what we're trying to do. Um, I think, you know, going back to the Zenit performance, you could throw Ross Barkley's name in there. Um, I think I think that's a player that, you know, is just surplus to requirements. I think you could slot him in for a Connor Gallagher or slot in a Connor Gallagher. You get much more in a guy that pushes the play in the first team. And then, you know, uh, Saul, which is just an absolute disaster in every way, shape and form. I misjudged that. I thought he was going to be somewhat decent. Left Atletico to not play wing back, and uh, we wind up playing him at wing back to mitigate the damage he would cause us. Um, those are all and issues. also failing, <laughs> and also failing. Yeah, my thing, Andres, is that with all of this considered, it's Tuchel's job to find solutions. Um, and I know that we got a result against Leeds, um, but like I said before we be- before we got into this is. You know, I thought our season was slipping away for, for a majority of this match. 
and it hasn't been pretty. And when we have been pulling results as of late, it's been ugly. Um, our mistakes are stupid. They're silly. They're mistakes that we didn't and haven't given up before under Tuchel. Um, mm. And my issue is a couple things. And we're going to get into the front three in a bit because that's one of my issues. But we continue sticking, um, you know, with this back three. And uh, we actually had a question from at Nana Aib. Uh, how do we solve the left wing back problem? Aspi maybe? At least he's at least he'll be defensively solid. Now, Andres, this is coming off of another um I don't know what you want to call it, because technically Marcus Alonso did redeem himself with the assist because it was a great ball, but a stupid fucking foul in the box. Um at a stupid time when he didn't need to leave both of his feet. Rule number one for a defender, don't leave your feet in the box. So Andres, how do we solve the left wing back problem? Uh, Nana throws out Aspi's name. Is that is that something that you might be interested in? Um, I'm all for something that concedes less goals. Uh, I think it's great that in the past three games we've scored over two goals average. But you mentioned the title race. And it is important to note that in every title race, title contenders have to win these ugly games that they don't even deserve to win. Like, that's part of it. Even under... Conte season in December, we were relying on Diego Costa to score with no angles and stuff like that. But what made Tuchel so solid when he arrived in January is that suddenly we weren't leaking goals. And we are not a team that's prolific up front. So if we can just suffocate the opponent, whether it's by just being patient in possession or just going back to the basics defensively, I'll take it. I think Aspie at the left is probably our best bet at this point, especially if Tuchel wants to insist on doing the whole inverted wingback thing. Mm. Aspie can just hang hang out a little bit in that space that's almost parallel to the center mids where he likes to curl the ball back post. And he can just let somebody like Cho or somebody like uh, Pulisic to be the guys that offer the width uh, up front. So yeah. I, I, that's kind of like where I'm at right now because this Saul experiment, again, against Zenit, like say what you want, oh, Zenit on their day, blah, blah, blah. No, Zenit is not good. Zenit is not Premier League level and, and they don't defend in the way that the Premier League does. So if Saul can't compete there and we've seen that Alonso is Alonso and has his deficiencies, then it, it you got to just find something that can hold down the fort, whether it's to, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's better bet in my mind to just solidify what you can control, which is more of the defensive side, than take a risk every single week with Alonzo, hoping that he can do what he did this week and get an assist or, mm-hmm. or, or get a goal himself. Because my thing with Alonzo, and, and I've said this before, I think when you when it comes to the wingback position, I mean, we've seen it in multiple systems, how he can be useful and how he can, what kind of impact he could have on the game going forward, just in terms of his runs and his and his end product. Um, I think when you compare him and Chilwell, I think that's the only thing that they probably cancel each other out in is going forward. Um, but you want to talk about defensively. I mean, that foul was 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 as stupid as it gets. And I think with Marcus Alonso, you either get a player that's going to be uh, 
I don't want to say a match winner, but an impact player, someone that could come in and just really, really force his will on a match, or he can be complete shit. And we saw both Marcus Alonso's uh, in this match. So my thing, Andres, um, we keep sticking to this back three. And I said, you know, it's on Tuchel to find those solutions. Find some other way to solidify this team. So the back four debate obviously comes up. Um, Like you, I don't think the back three is necessarily um, the worst thing in the world right now. I think if you play Dave out left, you could utilize that width by just putting that winger on the left side further out wide and having Dave stay back. Reese could keep bombing forward and do his thing. And he could even tuck inside and help reinforce that midfield too. You could put him on the other side of Jorginho. And now all of a sudden Jorginho is being protected more. Um, that's one solution, but the back four has come up a few times. So uh, at Huey98758, Huey, you got to get a different uh, username, man. I, I, at this point, I've memorized your numbers uh, in your in your Twitter you know, username thing. So he asked where to start. Do you think we might have become too predictable? Too many players playing below par. Still love beating dirty leads, though. So, Andres, I want to use this and kind of caveat it into a question. Back four, uh, should we or should we not? We don't have the healthy players to sustain a back four week in, week out in December. That's my main issue. Right now, we barely even have enough midfielders to start a game. Um, if Conte Kovacic, if they were healthy, ready to go, if we recalled someone like Billy Gilmore, like if we had the depth needed obviously mount would slide back to a back three or a midfield three but you need Jorginho can't do that Jorginho RLC and mount can't be deployed twice a week right now um sure Aspie is serviceable at left back obviously we know Reese James is fantastic at right back I th- the way I see the back four now is I think the back four is our inevitable future but I don't think you start that experiment right now when you're playing so often, especially after you spent a whole year making the back, the three, four, three, three, five, two kind of your identity. Um, we're we're going to talk about this player again a little bit later, but uh, Connor Gallagher has been killing it in a very Mason Mount esque role. So you are now going to be in a position where, in the future, you're going to want to play both Mason Mount and Connor Gallagher at the same time. Yeah. So to me, it's like we're inching in that direction when we're looking ahead into the next season, especially, again, the Declan Rice rumors aren't going anywhere either. Mm-hmm. Um, Love those. Yeah. But, Our listeners know but, that. <laughs> yeah, but, but today, this moment, I think inch and scratch and and – sweat out the victories until people get healthy because we also know what our healthy team can do in this system so yeah i, I that's my issue it, it's a matter of like implementation and, and who you can slot in those positions right now that that is like keeping me like i am the the main like fan of the 433 and i can't see it working well today yeah i think the problem with the 433 is that we don't want Alonzo on the left and Dave's going to have to be our exclusive left back. You obviously can't play him week in week out during the holiday period. That's one thing. Um, 
So yeah, you are getting more out of your squad by playing the 3-4-3. I know we have injuries at center back, but that still is a position where we have a lot of players still available. Um, more so than left back. Oh, sorry. And that was another thing I was going to point out. We're getting yeah. more midfielders and we're still not, we haven't signed an extension to Aspie, to Tiago, to Rudiger and Christensen. So <laughs> we may not have the personnel to run a back three. Andres, Christensen's imminent, just like it has been for the last fucking year, 12 weeks. And uh, Tiago Silva's move is coming soon, just like, or his extension, just like it's been rumored for the last 12 weeks. Uh, it, it, it's, it's sort of a joke, uh, what that's become, but I, I know we have a question, uh, from Leonard about that a little later. So I'll put on my letter reading voice in a bit. Um, I do want to move on to my main issue, uh, which is, or my main issue in this match, which was the player selection for the front three specifically. Uh, we knew Mason Mount's going to start. That's a given. He started Timo and Kai, uh, over, Hakeem Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, and Lukaku, uh, one of whom has six goals in his last six starts for Chelsea and Hakeem Ziyech. The other one, Christian Pulisic, who, uh, American bias aside, has looked like an impact player when he's played so far uh, since returning from injury. And then Lukaku, who's our 100 million pound, you know, top three striker in Europe. So this is my issue. Timo gets two goals against Zenit and then gets a start against Leeds and stinks up the joint. Uh, Kai Havertz starting, I don't really have a problem with. You know, I get it if Tuchel's trying to ease Lukaku in, uh, you know, just in terms of fitness. I know there's a lot of games coming up. So maybe he had that in mind. I don't mind starting Kai Havertz in this game. The problem is you put him next to a guy like Timo, uh, who doesn't work well off of him whatsoever. And it took away from Kai's game. And I felt like he suffered as a result of that. Andres, going into this, I wanted no other front three other than Lukaku, any combination of Mount, Ziyech, and Lukaku slash Kai. I threw Pulisic's name in there only because I would have rather had him in there over Timo. Um, Timo was shit. Let's just let's just be honest with ourselves. You know, he gave us a little spring of hope against Zenit, and you said it about three or four times. It's Zenit. It's not a Premier League side. We got way too excited, and I think Tuchel got way too excited. And I think it's okay to criticize him here. Um, our issue, and my issue lately, has been when we get a lead, we've been giving them up. We don't put our foot on the pedal and get a two, three, four goal lead like the Liverpools of the world do, where they just thra- where their wins are dominant. They thrash teams. Um, you know, Manchester City does does the same thing. I know they do struggle to get goals at times without a nine, but when they kill teams off, they're scoring three or four. Um, this is my problem. I know we scored three in this game. Two of them came off of Rudiger, a center back winning penalties. And then the other one, obviously, from Mason Mount, who's just in, in ridiculous form. Do you have a problem with this, too? I mean, it, 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 is this something that kind of bothers you? Because I feel like part of our lack of finishing from our front three is due to the fact that they're being rotated so much. Play the hot hand and ride them out. Yeah, I mean, here's my main issue. I I get why Timo started. He scored two goals and had an assist. Like, 
you you mentioned it. We watched that game. You're like, okay, like strikers go from hot, cold to hot in in a matter of 90 minutes, but then they can also go from hot to cold in in less. My issue wasn't starting Timo Werner. My issue was keeping him on the pitch for 74 minutes. Um, you mentioned Mount has to start, and then that just leaves a striker position. And Lukaku has taken longer than it takes a woman to give birth to get healthy again. Like I, I have not, we have not seen the same Lukaku since his injury yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't start Lukaku because he couldn't even start against Zenit, right? So, or I'm sorry, he couldn't finish the 90 minutes versus Zenit. Um, and you know, Leeds is going to do their high pressure 90 minutes, like full field press and try to suffocate us. Um, so the selection of Timo wasn't my issue. My issue recently has been the substitutions coming way too late into the game. And maybe this is just Tuchel learning the the ins and outs on how to handle the December schedule because we are playing it's two to three matches every seven days. And we have a very thin squad right now, so call it what it is, whatever you want. But yeah, the, the selection itself wasn't my issue. It's recently it's just been the the what's it called the the way the subs have been handled. Andres, I, I, I'm bothered by the Timo selection. Now, look, I get why he started, but it clearly doesn't it it doesn't work in the Premier League. It hasn't worked in the Premier League. We used to make fun of Lukaku for having such a heavy touch when he was at, like, Man United. I think Timo Werner takes the cake. I think it's the heaviest touch I've seen at Chelsea Football Club in my life. Um, The fact that he, you know, would receive the ball to feet as an out ball, which is, you know, part of the reason why he's out there, um, and loses it almost every single time. I mean, that's the most frustrating thing for me. If you have a guy like Ziyech out there, he has the trickery to draw a foul or pick out a pass or play a switch before the pressure comes in, especially an informed Ziyech. A guy like Pulisic can just spin around the pressure, draw fouls, and do something similar to that. Lukaku, obviously, big body, hold-up play. He gives you everything. The commitment to to trying to get something out of him is is... Is kind of crazy. I mean, isn't this why we bought Lukaku in the first place? Because we realized last season, hold on, Timo isn't a guy that we can rely on. Yet, we see him two matches in a row, start two matches in a row, and we see two completely different versions of him. And like you said, Timo's a streaky player. If you look at his Bundesliga records, he doesn't have this steady scoring streak throughout the season. He does tend to blow hot and cold. The only time he didn't was the season before we bought him. So this could be, you know, we could have bought Timo after I don't want I don't necessarily want to say he peaked, but after he sort of figured out the Bundesliga, and this guy's just taking way too long to figure out the Premier League. When it comes to the Champions League, it's a different story. We've seen him imp- impact games, but just a selection of it was 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 frustrating for me because we didn't get shit out of him. And and every other player I mentioned, we get more out of. And and I didn't include Cho's name in there, but that's another name that you could also throw in throw in the ring and say, yeah, maybe that guy even deserved a start over him too. He's been having a huge impact on games. So 
that's my criticism of Tuchel, though. You know, it, it's just a matter of the rotation being too erratic. There's no there's no steady rotation that he's figured out for our front three. What type of players am I going to use in what type of matches? It, it, it just doesn't seem like there's any Whoa. idea of it yet. It just seems so, like, hey, I'm going to put Mount on the right, and the rest is going to figure itself out in training this week. But but here's my thing. I'll go back to it, and, and mostly to play devil's advocate, because I, I, I do believe Burner earned the start, but you're playing Leeds. Leeds right now is playing a fullback at center back, a midfield at right back, Junior Furpo is the debut season, and Urente spent most of last season injured. So that back four is the least Premier League back four will play against all year. And I mentioned the full the, the you know the full pitch press. So in on paper, Timo should have feasted. Now he didn't, and that's where my issue came. It's it's the late sub. Like on paper, Timo's speed, they're gonna give him the space in behind. He just put away two and, and and assisted one. All of that makes you think, oh, okay. Yeah, you play him here because we'll get to eventually. We're about to play Everton next. And Everton is a much more old school team of a bunch of big bodies who are going to play with basically five, uh, five men in the back because they play with a lone DM. It should be the game where Lukaku plays against his old team and scores. Right, right, right. And we'll get to that. But again, the, the, at the end of the day, we both agree that at this point, if you have to pick a team out of the blue, you should He's be picking Ziyech, Pulisic, and Cho ahead of Timo Werner. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm just done with the Timo experiment. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I think if we can get our investment back, that'd be a good thing. Um and I'm not being harsh on him. I don't hate him as a person. This is not me saying I don't want him to succeed in a Chelsea kit. I want him to score every time he goes on the pitch. As long as he's wearing a Chelsea jersey, I'm going to root for the guy. But there's nothing wrong in saying that he's just not good enough. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to kind of end it there because I, I, I can go on for hours uh, about my frustration with him specifically. Um, Andres, uh, obviously, you know, um, we talked about the negative, but – there was some positive in this game. I mean, we saw, you know, three really good performances in Rudiger, Mount, and Jorginho specifically. So I do want to give them a little bit of love. Um, it's not all doom and gloom, guys. Don't worry. Uh, we'll talk about Mount first because he was obviously, um, you know, in my opinion, the most impactful player in the match. He now became our leading goal scorer in the Premier League. He has six goals, four assists. Um now he's involved in 10 Premier League goals this season. I believe he's involved in the second most goals. Since Tuchel arrived? Uh, not since Tuchel arrived. I want to say as an English player. Uh, but I don't – don't quote me on that. Anyways, um, I mean, he had a huge performance. Um, he's obviously a shoe-in week in and week out. Is there anything that you kind of just want to add about, you know, the way he played and what he brought to the table? I mean, it's Mason Mount. He he is such a complete player, and I think that whatever injury he had midway through the season where he sat a, a couple games, like, he bounced right back. Um, he This is his – at this point, like, there are so many great players, but this is Mount's team. I, I think that if Mount is playing well for the general part, we're playing well. Um, 
his numbers are, I believe, have already overshadowed his numbers last season in terms of goals and assists in far less games. He's on pace for double digits on both as a he's not fully a 10. He's more, I mean, even as a 10 getting double, double in goals and assists is fantastic. Um, but I don't think you could put a, I don't think you could put a position on him. I think you could yeah, just call him our catalyst. I'm like, like he's the catalyst like, for the press. He's the catalyst for our, for our attack. He's like that eight, 10 hybrid. Cause he does come back on defense a lot and he is yeah. creating obviously. And so, yeah, I mean, Mason's looking fantastic i loved him shushing the leeds fans like the we were going to get individually into what the players did well but i think the players overall understood that even though the rivalry with leeds has not been a recent one there is a history behind it so at least the players know the club's history and understand what it means to to really get a result against these guys uh, especially at home but again rafinha scores uh does his little dance or whatever Mason responds again with his left foot, his underrated mm-hmm. left foot. And he's just getting himself into positions in the box. He's creating plays as well. Like his first touch this season specifically has probably been the best on the squad. Yeah. I mean, again, he just keeps improving. Last season, I mentioned how I noticed his dribbling was improving. Now this season, the one thing I've always criticized has been uh, his, his end product as a, as a facilitator. And here we are talking about him being on pace for 10 assists. Mm-hmm. And so you ch- this guy challenges himself. He could have sat on the laurels of being a Champions League winner and a Euro finalist, 19th in the Ballon d'Or, but he wants more. He's, as much as we joked of him being Lampard's son, huh. he has that sort of mentality. He yeah. has the Lampard mentality where he's going to keep getting better and better. And I mean... We're all, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's become our match winner as of late, um, you know, in, in the games where we needed him. And again, even though he wasn't necessarily on the ball um, as much as we wanted him to be in this match, we saw the one moment of quality where we needed him, and he showed it with his left foot, like you said. Uh, that does need to be noted. But another guy that's uh, that's been a match winner as of late has been uh, Antonio Rudiger. Um, I think that's a third penalty he's drawn for us. That's won a match. Or third penalty that that he's drawn for us this season. Um, how often does a center back draw two penalties in the same match? Uh, I, I just want to say that when we first saw him, I, he started doing it more this season, but more specifically under just since Tuchel came in, he had the license to drive forward at full speed and just run at people and be this erratic, you know, am I going to shoot from 40 yards out or am I going to take you down the byline and draw a pen center back? Uh, What do you got to say about that? I mean, this is for all the, uh, I guess this is for all the Rudiger is, you know, affecting the dressing room naysayers, no? (laughs) I mean, yeah, Rudiger is, he's not going to be salty and pull a Diego Costa and not practice in any of that. So, like, kill that narrative. Like, that's He has a World Cup to play for, too. Yeah, no, and and again, the man deserves to be paid. We have already established this. I mean, the the thing that I love is, like, so I have a friend who's a Leeds fan. He's like, I fucking hate Rudiger. And I'm like, I get it. 
I totally get it. As an opponent, like you're the that's the guy you hate playing. And and the thing that I I love the most is that usually this could be like a oh Rudiger really sold that, but the first pen he drew he was dribbling in the box in the byline mind you he wasn't just barely in the box dribbled away from the defender earned the penalty the second one was just a complete bonehead mistake I mean Rudiger gets himself in the box he's like barely in it facing away from goal and there his like the the Leeds defender hacks at the back of his legs like very stupid both times Rudiger is smiling immediately because he's like I think he's in shock the second time as to how he managed that one. But the first time he's like, Oh, I got that guy. Good. So I love that Rudiger was able to do this. Maybe this will teach him to stop trying the 40 yard shot and instead maybe get himself into the box to earn more penalties where those actions can lead to actual goals rather than the, the, the attempt at a world-class 40 yard screamer. But yeah. I, I mean, you love to have that guy that just gets into the other players, like in the other team's heads. Like you love it. The moment he went down the second time, the whole Leeds team like tried to rush at the ref as if that's going to be helpful. You Listen, think 11 was- grown men losing their shit at the referee, like close to the 90th after it's been a pretty scrappy game is going to help your cause. <sighs> Idiots. Oh, and then they tried to go at him again after the, after the final whistle and he wasn't having it either. Um, I'm just going to say this about Rudiger, and I think this will, you know, sum up my feelings on him. Uh, If we do get that contract extension signed, which isn't looking very likely, guys, it'll be better than any new signing we can bring in. Uh, Moving on, though, I do want to give Jordan one thing. One thing, uh, Jordan uh, Tuchel did say to be patient about the negotiations. I like he was quoted saying something along those lines. So like, even though it's most likely a lost cause. Yeah. Um, I, I want to mention Jorginho really quick too. I mean, he obviously, we know he's not a hundred percent. He hasn't been for probably the better part of a year now. Um, he's been dealing with some back issues. He's, he's been forced to play out of necessity basically. Um, he comes up big in this game, obviously scoring two penalties to win us the match. Um, the first one he took on dress, I think that's probably his best penalty that he's taken for us, sticking it in the top corner. I love to see that, even though I'm not a biggest fan of the hop step. Uh, the second one just showed all of his composure. Um, one thing I did want to mention about him and shout him out for was I know he has been subject to criticism because he's missed some penalties as of late for Italy. Um, and, uh, I think he shut all those people up. I think his composure kind of speaks for himself, right? When he steps in, when he steps on the spot, he's not thinking of anything but zenning out and, and it shows and it showed in these last two penalties. So is there anything you want to add to Jorginho? I just, yeah, I, the, I felt like I did need to mention him. I mean, the second pen took a really long time in VAR, uh, and Meslier or however you say his name was in Jorginho's ear. Oh, solid uh, like five minutes. I think it was Ailing that was like talking to the ref after Melier like stepped back a little bit and like they basically they did the good old ice the kicker maneuver. They tried right, so like Melier does that whole thing and then Jorginho's like, all right, I just won't hop step this time and just buries it. Like 
taking two pens is is probably like psychologically speaking one of the most confusing things as a player because Jorginho's different and, and maybe I'm old school where like I was taught to like master one spot on the goal like that's where you want to bury it the pros obviously they have more pens to take and, and a bigger kind of risk reward in, in terms of making the pens but like they also have more coordination <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um like the Jorginho hop step works the first time like the goalkeeper is going to be expecting it now right even though they've always been expecting it, it's like okay I already took one I kind of can feel the timing for it Jorginho removes that and and buried it right side I just thought that was complete class and again taking two pens is tricky going into a game you take a pen you put it where you want to put it ahead of time second time is like well if i go the other direction is the goalkeeper going to think that am i overthinking this should i stick to what i do so yeah props to him we could have drawn we could have drawn if it wasn't for his pens we could have drawn but we didn't um quick quick question before we move on to the rest of our twitter questions we do have a what one two three four of those so I mean, the title implications are obviously going to come to mind after a performance like this. I mean, look, w- anybody that says that we're not in the, in the running at this point is stupid. Um, but it does feel like it might be slipping a little bit, Andres. I, I mean, at least that's the vibe I'm getting, um, unless we turn it around. And that doesn't mean just pulling off victories. It means pulling off performances, playing well. I think the important thing is getting momentum, not just the points. So where do we where do we stand on our title chances? I mean, a few weeks ago we were talking about Som finishing uh, you know, I think he was gonna drop sixteen bars about Chelsea winning the title at the end of the season. And now I don't think we're necessarily the favorites anymore. I mean, did you, are are you are you are you there yet? Or uh, are I you mean, half glass half full? I, I'm glass half full into staying in the title race. I mean, I still did not think we were going to be the the top team. I, I thought, for one, that Man City was going to be all... I mean, are they in first place? I can't remember. Yeah, they yes. are. So I thought they were going to be further ahead than they are now. They needed um, a pen to win this weekend, too. I mean, everybody did. Liverpool did as well. Yeah. So Liverpool, United, us, and City all won because of a pen, um, which was kind of crazy to think about. But... um. It's going to come down to, honestly, to N'Golo Conte being healthy. You talked about maintaining leads. Why aren't we not um, destroying teams? And the last uh, clean sheet we had was N'Golo's last start. And the previous yeah. matches to that were like multiple goal shutouts. And they were against Leicester and Juve, which are good teams. So... And Golo Conte, like, I know Chilwell's missing. I know Chilwell's the other name that everyone wants to talk about. But at the end of the day, it's still N'Golo Conte. And Golo comes in, and teams are afraid of the what the amount of, like, grass he covers in 90 minutes. So, yeah, I, I think N'Golo is, is what's going to keep my hopes of winning the title. Because we've we've proven we can win when nobody can score. So, yeah. yeah I think... I, uh, I, I do want to add to your glass half full narrative. It is rumored that Conte will be back in training on Tuesday. We are recording this Sunday night. So that's a, that's a welcome sign. And then um, I know Tuchel said that Kovacic was still feeling some symptoms. 
Um, so it might be, you know, another 10 days or so until we see him. Um, so the good news is that we will get both of them back at some point during the holiday period. At least that's what it seems like. Even if it's for the last couple matches, I mean, it's something, Andres. We, at this point, we need anything we can get. Um, we do have some Twitter questions here. Uh, first one is from Kendall Higa 19 Do Chelsea shift focus on giving Rudiger all the money as opposed to try and extending AC? Uh, Rudy clearly cares and continues to make a difference. Should we prioritize Rudy over AC? I mean, I think the answer is pretty obvious, but at this point, Andres, um, we, we talked about it. The Rudiger situation, or the Christensen situation seems a little bit more likely. Tuchel did call him out midweek saying, you know, the offer has been made and, you know, you got to you gotta walk the walk, basically, not just talk the talk. And uh, now reports coming out just before we recorded that uh, it's looking likely that Christensen is going to sign. Uh, Wait, for real? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to prioritize – Christensen's an easier deal to complete. Does that mean I want to prioritize it? It's like, if it's going to happen, like, okay, honestly, like, who else is looking at Christensen? Like, here's where my stand is. Christensen is a, is, his form mirrors the system we're playing. Uh, By the way, Andres, uh, it was DiMarzio that reported that. Okay, so. A few hours ago. Awesome. Whatever the, the issue was with his dad and us and whatever figure was not being Good. Glad that's getting done. But the point I'm trying to make is that Christensen maybe has like one or or two suitors in Europe that are like mid-table clubs in the top league versus Rudiger going into like he's in his prime PSG Bayern Real, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do I also think that Rudiger is benefiting from our system? Yeah. But do I also think that we are much better when Rudiger's on the pitch versus Christensen's on the pitch? Yeah. I I I just see this as you pay the man for three more years, and that's it. You don't have to give Rudiger another contract after this at all. Any marquee signing is going to have to have same level of salary, a transfer fee slapped onto that. And most likely is going to be a player that hasn't been in the Premier League. We're talking Koundé. We're talking uh, Delict. Yeah, world-class talents unproven in the Premier League. Yeah. Right. And, and and again, you sign Rudiger for three years. Colwell is balling in his loan. You bring him back as a little deputy to Rudiger, learns from Rudiger, and is a natural left center back position, much like why Chalaba made this team. He stuck around for depth, and now we all want him to start every single week. So yeah. when when someone like Aspie started fading, boom, Chalaba's already in there. So again, we fast forward two, three years from now when Rudiger, quote unquote, should be fading. You don't have to pay him again because hopefully by then Colwell will be ready and earn his position in the team. So I think if we're going to be prioritizing, try to prioritize Rudiger and, and meet halfway because you know the like you know he's what he's worth, you know what he can do in this league. And 
it doesn't include a transfer fee. There's not going to be like some sort of signing bonus. It's just an extension. Pay him what yeah. he wants weekly, but which is going to be what he's going to get. Like what um, it would cost, if not more, to bring in a young to mid twenties center back. I think I think what the issue is, Andres, is you don't want to run into the same issue that the Man United's, the Man City's even the Real Madrid's of the world's have, where if you start paying players these absurd, amount, absurd amounts of money, of course. you're going to get the locker room riffs. You're going to get, you know, certain players asking for salary bumps or they're going to walk. Basically what happens is you it gets messy with agents and players and, and all of that nonsense. So, Look, four hundred grand a week is a shit ton of money, Andres. No, no, and I'm not. I'm, gonna, I, I'm not I, saying I, pay I, whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, and I understand that, but it, it, there comes a certain, it comes to a certain point where you have to look at it and say, okay, we're gonna pay this guy into 30, 30, 31, and thirty-two for three of those four years out of that contract. Um, is it really gonna be worth our time to do that, or can we invest? in someone else, put them on a smaller salary, um, and, you know, and, and go that route. I mean, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Yeah. I think that's the point. Uh, yeah. I, again, I don't, if, if it's gone to the point where, where he's not going to listen to an offer for like 250 K from us, cut it off then. You're done. Like you're, you, you, I think our top three earners are Conte, Kai, and Lukaku. Um, with Conte being close to 300, and the other two like barely above 300. Um, Conte, you greedy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, as if, as if he doesn't deserve that 300. Right, right, right. Um, like, what I'm thinking is okay. We. Rudiger walks. Um, we assume that Tiago, like you said, he's going to resign. He's older. He's enjoying his time here. But then again, his he now has to be just the veteran rotation option. Trevor Chalaba's on the rise. He's killing it. I mean, we're not looking like we're not going to go out and sign. Like I don't see a center back in their prime that's in the market right now. And I think that's the the risk, the calculated risk, I guess. Yeah, but that's also not the argument. I I think the the, the only alternative is to go after someone young. Like, I know I've seen Wesley Fofana's name thrown out there, which (laughs) is odd, considering that his leg is broken. um, Or his knee, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Again, for the right price, if they're willing to negotiate. If they want to renegotiate, great. If not... Sure, go for delict and and you have to sign Declan Rice at that point. Like My if we're thing, gonna if we're gonna flash on a center back, then you're gonna have to get Declan Rice because yeah, it's gonna take more than Conte at that point to protect whether it's a back four or a back three. That yeah. that's where I get at. Yeah. Um, at Black Emoji asked a question. He says, uh, now that Cobham shut down for the holidays again. When do you expect it to open up again so the boys can get back to their Champions League winning best? Um, I think he's alluding to the bad run of form that we usually see uh, during the winter period um, as if the training ground isn't working. So thank you for clarifying that, Andres. I really didn't understand yeah. the question when I put it here in the script, but 
since I didn't understand it, uh, give, give me your best short answer. All right, my best short answer is it needs to be open by the time that uh, AFCON starts. I think that that's going to be where we can make up ground, at least to, to Liverpool, even though we're only like a point behind them. Um, but then we also play Liverpool and Man City during that portion of the time. So as long as uh, we can get into gear going into January, I'll feel okay. I think I don't, I don't want people to get their hopes up that a lot of things are going to be coming in, in January. I think that the club is going to be kind of sticking to what they have. Um, but for me, it's, it's a matter of making sure that post boxing day, we're still not struggling and we can go with some steam into January because it's Liverpool and uh, Man City in the span of two weeks, Liverpool without the obvious names, Sané, Salah, and Matip, and City without Mares. So hmm. it's... Try to, uh, go ahead. Try to, try to fit that in a tweet. <laughs> yeah, so so for me, it's just uh, getting into January with some sort of, with some sort of steam. That, I, that's, think, I, I think January is too late. I think we got to get it going now. I think I think if I think by the time January rolls around, if we don't turn it around by then, we would have dropped too many points to be within touching well, realistic touching distance of City, barring anything drastic. So so here's my thing though: our next five games are Everton, Wolves, Brentford in the Carabao, Villa, and Brighton. So they're winnable matches where we don't have to play quote unquote our best football. So that's why I was putting more January because. Until Jan- until the new year, that's when we have Liverpool. Um, then we have um, what is this? The, the FA Cup, and then between the FA Cup and Man City, we're back to one match a week. So, yeah. I that's what I'm thinking. Like, okay, sure, it's gonna be bad in our blood pressure and our heart rates for for the next five games to keep looking the way like they did against Leeds, but I think we can shithouse our way through these games as long as by January we're looking cohesive again. Yeah. Um, Ron asked a question, another question. Uh, he, AKA Bone Daddy, cool. I can't forget that part. AKA Bone Daddy Lux, AKA Bone Daddy Supreme. Uh, <laughs> the czar of the Rep Ultras. Som never includes that. Uh, he asked, how much of a warrior is the man who has more league goals than the Ballon d'Or winner? Never gives up and gives us his all. Respect the Don. He's referring to Jorginho. So we already talked about him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andres, he is a, he indeed is the Don. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that I I just looked it up. Messi does just have one league goal. So that's yeah, actually hilarious. Yeah, it's a joke. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, look, I, it's it's messy. Like you're 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 talking about arguably the goat but he's been shit let's come on guys uh i'm gonna put on my letter reading voice because i promised to leonard cohen asked a lovely lovely question he asks dear pod with media reports of several chelsea players unhappy the club has not yet extended as contract has the contract negotiations with Christensen, Rudiger, and now Aspi had a negative impact on Chelsea's on-field performance? 
kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, Andres, but is it bullshit or not bullshit? <laughs> I, I Honestly, like at this point, the only player that I think who, whose performance has been hit by the contract negotiations has been Christensen. Because yeah. like I said, I think the moment he saw his future might not be stable, his performances have gone to crap. Because again, I don't think there's that many suitors for Christensen as perhaps they thought there would be. At the and level with, of Chelsea. Right. And, and my thing, and I mentioned this a few pods back now, is that I think that the Christensen camp was waiting for the Rudiger deal to get done to then use that as a barometer for how much money they could get. And now that the Rudiger deal is nowhere to, to be seen, they're sweating. And I think that reflected on his performances a little bit. Now with Aspie, totally different situation. I, I don't buy these media reports. I tried looking for them before the pod. I couldn't really find anything concrete. The only thing I saw is that if if we can't keep Aspie, that Roman was going to roll out the red carpet for Aspie in, in a sort of farewell. So Which, he, as he should. Right, right, of course. So, yeah. so I think that this is – could it have be, been different if we're not in the position we're in? Sure, maybe. But this Leeds match proved to me that both Rudiger and Aspie, at least, are completely focused. Aspie got subbed and is, like, blowing kisses at the Leeds fans on his way to the locker – to shit. the bench. like. I if don't you haven't think seen that, a, if you haven't seen it, I posted a picture on the on the pod. Yeah, very reminiscent of uh, John Terry um, in front of, I believe, the Everton fans. Like it's almost like a perfect side by side. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I I'm not buying into this. I think the, the team morale is is pretty high, even with the run of bad form. Um, so again, I think Christensen individually maybe, but the other two are totally fine. I think Rudiger is, oozes confidence. And Aspie, like we always say, continues to drop seven out of ten. Like he has not changed. We know what yeah. his limitations are. We know what he's going to do on the f- field. So yeah, I I think it's overplayed. I I think it's a matter of just making a few tweaks and then we're back on track. We I think everyone needs to stop acting like the wheels are completely falling off the two cool train. It, they're not. Um, it's a little wobble, which was bound to happen because nobody has a record as good as Tuchel's forever. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we do have Everton coming up, uh, I believe on Thursday at home at the bridge. Um, Everton, not a very good side this season, 14th in the premier league. They only won one in their last five. That was against Arsenal. Ha ha. Uh, now last weekend, and this is something that we have to mention, uh, Connor Gallagher put up a masterclass against them. Uh, he's the young player of the year. Don't at me. Um, but if you didn't see it, the second goal specifically was a thunderbolt in extra time um, at the top top of the box, top bins, I mean, everything that you can ever ask for, really, if you're a player. Andres, next season, Connor Gallagher has to be a part of the team. Um, I know you've we've both said that he's basically a clone of Mount, but... I mean, at this point, with the way he's playing, I'm seeing him as pushing for a starting 11 spot in the same way, you know, Mount did when we brought him back on loan. Yeah, and and the thing that's been great is that, unlike a lot of our loanees, he is fully, like, like I think he had an interview with 
Thierry Henry or, or Gary Neville or Carragher where he like told them like, hey, by the way, like you just let them know, like I'm lo- I'm doing this to get back to Chelsea. I, yeah. I, and and I think that that's like Thomas Tuchel really liked him during camp. He his loan track has always been upward. Um, Even when Palace was not doing as well as they did, are they doing now? He was looking lively. He was fantastic at West Brom. So he's coming back. Like, there's no way he isn't. I, I don't see, again, we talked about players right now that are going to be leaving. Saul isn't coming back at all. Barkley's probably going to finally get shipped out. Jury is out for, for RLC. He still has a little over half a season to, to prove his case because if a midfielder is coming in the likes of Declan Rice, if that is a, a truth, then I don't see him and RLC in the same midfield. Like I, I don't. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you don't risk the Connor Gallagher growth and potential for, how do you put this? Um, Whatever we could get out of RLC at this point. Sentimental. Yeah. Sentimental value of the fact that RLC was supposed to be the first Academy guy, you know, previous to, to the class that included Mount and Tammy and Reese and, and Tamori yeah. and those guys. He was so, the one that started the this, this academy wave, really. Right. Like think about it. Yeah. Mount, it was him, Lewis Baker. Right. Mount yeah. was quoted saying like, oh, like, like, oh, who do you look up to in Chelsea? And he's like, actually, lost his cheek because he broke through, and now it's like, ugh, like it sucks as a fan. Like we we've invested so much to as as viewers and and fans for Loftus Cheek's future, but. We we also can't deny that Gallagher's trajectory right now is is beyond his, and I think that Gallagher coming back will will trump a, a stay for RLC, I guess. So yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, please watch the second goal. It's <laughs> it, 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 it's fantastic. Andres, you did make a couple good points about Connor Gallagher, but I do want to get back to Everton. Um, like I said, 14th in the Premier League. They only beat Arsenal in their last five matches. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is out. Um, that's something that they've been having to deal with uh, for a while. He scored three in his first three and then picked up an injury. He's been out since then. So Richarlison has been playing up top exclusively as a striker. Um, they've been running a 4-4-1-1. The Rafa Benitez is their manager. Uh, I don't know how he still has his job, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Um, for me, I talked about momentum earlier. I think this is the perfect match to kind of really dominate for a full 90 and, uh, and and really put a stamp on a good performance. Um, it's against the side that's, that's weakened. Um, unlike Leeds, who was also weakened when we played them, they do not have an aggressive style of play in terms of high pressing and, and, and high energy. Um, they are more likely than not going to try and s- sit back and hit us on the counter. Um, so with that being said, I, I feel pretty confident going in. Um, I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. I think I, I think we'll struggle to score, but I, I'm feeling good about a clean sheet. Another match at the bridge, it's highly unlikely that we'll go, you know, two matches on this on the spin without a clean sheet. So that's where I'm at. One nil Chelsea. Let's move on. Uh and you know get everybody healthy. Where are you at? I I think it'll probably be yeah. I 
I'll I'll go two nil. I think it's kind of funny right now that in a, in a state where they are struggling, you you don't start Lucas Digne because of some sort of like managerial issue. Like the guy's healthy, he's not playing. They're they're sliding Godfrey at left back. Um, their midfield is is much less mobile than Leeds. Um, they're big bodies, but we tend to attack from the width anyway. So, uh, you know, running around, running circles around Andre Gomez, Dukure, and and Delph shouldn't be. Um, well, they still have Allen out there too. He'll probably play against us. Um, Is he healthy? Let me double check. Look into. Something I want to mention while you're looking that up, though, is you you talked about Dakure. If they're gonna try and get, uh, he is out. Yeah, I, he he wasn't even on the bench last match. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully he's you know <laughs> not playing because he's a really good player for them. But I want to I, I want to mention Dakure really quick because if they're gonna try and hit us on the counter, he's gonna be crucial to sort of being that. Uh, that late run into the box, you know, for for crosses or cutbacks, and oftentimes when he bombs forward, he struggles to to make that ground back up. So if we can sort of hit those gaps, that's something we could also look into all uh, as well as a, a method of attack. So give me your prediction, man. I mean, I went one nil. Is your um, yeah, I'm going two nil, and I want to yeah. see Pulisic start on the left side. Okay. Um, you mentioned Lukaku getting the start here. I've been dying to see, like, if we're going to force Lukaku to play with his back to goal, then I want to see Pulisic working off of him. I would like to see Lukaku run at goal. I mean, I know we mentioned Zenit being a joke, but he did score when he mm-hmm. wasn't specifically being a target man. So, again, I, I'd like to see a Pulisic goal come off of Lukaku and assist or vice versa. Um, because, yeah, I, I don't think Werner earned a start here. Um uh, and yeah, maybe maybe you'll, in terms of rotation, maybe you'll see, uh, what's it called? That maybe a Mason Mount in midfield. That's what I was um, thinking. I, I can't see. I it would be the most cruel injustice to bench Ziyech again. Yeah, I was thinking that, and the fact that I don't think RLC earned a start here either, and Ross Barkley definitely has not. So a Jorginho with Mount or some weird concoction of Reese James in midfield and, and somebody at right wing back. I don't know, but I, I don't think, I think the front three have to be Pulisic, Lukaku, and Ziyech, um, or Cho. Obviously, a little biased, <laughs> I would like to see Pulisic, but Ziyech, Lukaku. Just named our whole front three. <laughs> Ziyech, Lukaku, and Mount have to start. Yeah. I just hope that there's a way to sneak in another winger Another winger and and uh, either Pulisic or Joe. I want to see Rom more than anything. But that's oh yeah, just... I think he's starting. I think he's starting. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I mean, we both predicted a clean sheet. Let's hope that that's the case. Um. If you guys are wondering, Sam's not here. Uh. Obviously. Uh. I think he's still on a bender after uh, Max Verstappen won. So. Um. We'll just have to wait until the cast ruling <laughs> to see what happens with Sam's mood, but. Uh, he'll be back sooner than that, I'm sure. If you're not following us on Twitter, uh, at Romans Empire Pod, um, reach out to us. Let us know how you guys like the podcast. Um, we usually drop one after every uh, every match, at least we try to. Um, so let us know what you guys think. And uh, if you want to be included, look out for our uh, questions tweet. We usually tweet that out after every match. 
Um, and uh, you can be shouted out on the pot. That'd be pretty cool. Anyways, uh, until our clean sheet against Everton, keep the blue flag flying high.